Thank you, Mateo. Appreciate it. Wow. It is so good to be with you guys. Okay, I know, um, I know Pastor Mateo got y'all going with those hot beverages. Mm, man, but I want to know who I'm talking to and I want to let you guys get to know me a little bit. So let me just take a little bit of a poll for a sec. We'll, we'll start with the, uh, the, the old, the wise. Where are my eighth graders at? This guy. Okay. All right. Hey, because you stood up and you're so excited. I'm asking you a question. What's your name? Hey, turn around. Yeah, what's your name? Andrew, what's something I don't know about being in eighth grade? All right. Sit down, Andrew. Well, seventh graders, prepare. I'm coming. Where, where are my seventh graders at? Let's go. Okay. You ready? What's something I don't know about being in seventh grade? You get hot chocolate in science sometimes, but probably only if you go to TCA, right? I love it. I love it. Okay, all right, okay, all right. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Thank you, thank you. All right, where are my sixth graders at? All right, all right, well done, well done. You all, you all get a high five now. Okay, my guy. Okay, sit down, sit down, sit down. Uh, all right, I'm coming to the back. Levi Tistammer, what's one thing I do not know about being in sixth grade? You need a sec? Okay. Very specific. I like it. I like it. Man, well, you guys, I am so excited to be here with you tonight. Man, this room... All right, give me your eyes. Give me your eyes. Thank you. Thank you. You guys, this room, whether you know it or not, has a lot of history in it. God has done good things in this room uh, in my life, and so I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Why don't we pray? Let's welcome Jesus. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit, because, uh, y'all, if he's not here, uh, we may as well pack up and go home. So let's take a sec. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just say come. Holy Spirit, we say come. Lord, we want to know you tonight. We want to know you tonight. Holy Spirit, I know that your job, it's, it's revealing truth. It's revealing Jesus. So would you reveal Jesus tonight to us? We want to see you. We want to see you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and use me. Lord, that you would speak through me to us. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open and eager and expectant to receive what you have for us tonight. So come in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, you guys. We are going to be continuing on through Exodus. Now, I'm going to quiz you a little bit here because I, I got to know where we've been, what we're doing. So you guys have been going through Exodus, right? Yeah, okay. So here's what we got to do. Right? If we're picking up the story in Exodus somewhere, we've got to know what happens before it, right? Are there any Marvel fans in the room? Okay, okay. So if you start watching like Endgame before you watch, what comes before Endgame? Any of them, right? You've got to know the story. So let's track through the story here for a sec. Can anyone tell me what happens at the beginning of Exodus? Who are some of the main characters? Raise your hand for me. Don't just shout it out. Yeah. Okay, we've got Moses. He's a big one. Who else? His mom. Okay, we have his mom, right, who rescues him and saves him. Who else is a character? Who are we playing with? I'm going to have to call on people. Yeah. 
Okay, we've got Pharaoh, right? Okay, so where we start at the beginning of the story, right? We've got the Israelites. We've got Moses. And they're in Egypt with Pharaoh. And are they in a very good spot? No, what, why? What's going on? Pastor Mateo, I can always count on you. Yeah, you guys, they are in bondage. They're in slavery. And what God does, he comes in and he rescues them and he pulls them out. And he does these ten acts of God, right? These ten acts, these plagues, decreation. And he pulls his people out and he brings them into the middle of the desert. And that's where we pick up the story. We're going to read together. If you have your Bibles, where are my Bible people at? Well done. Go ahead and go to Exodus 20 for me. Go to Exodus 20. Your phone counts. All right, go to Exodus 20. We're going to read through this passage together, verses 1 through 7. Then we're going to settle into what the Lord might say to us. Exodus 20, verse 1 says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Take note of that. I am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Good stuff, cheery stuff. Holy Spirit, come and speak in your name. All right, how many of you guys have heard this passage before? All right, what is this the start of? It's the start of something that we, we, we kick it around a lot. How, how, many, how many commandments are there? Okay, the start of the Ten Commandments. These are the first three commandments. And what I want to do for a sec is zoom in on that word jealous, right? Because around here we're all about who God is, what God does. And we see that God is jealous. Let me ask you some questions real fast. Is that word a good thing? Okay, tell me, when I say I'm jealous of somebody else, what am I feeling? Okay, hey, this guy, right? You can't use can't use the word in the definition. That's cheating. Right, okay. Yeah, envy, right? What, um, when I hear the word jealous, right, I kind of think of, I think of somebody who's like, like a jealous boyfriend or girlfriend or something, right? Not good. Not good. So in our common language, this word jealous, it's, it's negative. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. But what we're going to do is redefine it because that's not what it means when it says that God is Jealous. Guys, I believe that God is jealous, which means that he's exclusive. Okay, I want you guys, if you're taking notes, write that down. God is jealous because he's exclusive. And then right under it, I want you to write this down. This is what we're talking about tonight. God is jealous because he wants you to be free. God is jealous because he wants you to be free. All right. So we have the story of Israel, right? They get brought through the wilderness. They show up at the mountain and they come and they meet God on top of the mountain. Or Moses does anyways. And it's this moment that's like a climactic moment in the whole story. Because God has finally come to be with his people in order to make something called a covenant. Now, okay, we're gonna, we got to hash through a couple of just practical things 
and then we're going to get into the good stuff. Not that this is bad stuff. We've got to get some definitions. Who has heard of a covenant before? Okay. What, what context have we heard of a covenant in? Okay, the Ark of the Covenant. There we go, right, Indiana Jones. What, what other context have you heard of a covenant in? Yeah. Okay, covenant has all the Ten Commandments. There you go, you're beating this bunch. All right, how many of you guys, when you were little, used to make pinky promises? All right, some pinky promise people in the room, right? So what was the thing? You would make a promise, you do the pinky promise, and then, at least in my childhood, if you broke the promise, then they broke your pinky, right? That, that never actually happened. Lauren's looking at me like, what kind of childhood did you have, right? So that's the thing, right? It's like a promise, but it's a super, super serious promise. Now, a covenant is kind of like that, but like magnified times 10, times 20, times 100. Because here's what a covenant is, you guys. And go ahead and throw these up on the screen for me. A covenant is like three different things. First of all, a covenant is like a partnership. A covenant is like a promise where one person comes to another person. I've seen you before. Stand up. Hi. Thank you. You're the man. Okay. So a covenant is a partnership. It's where I come. Wilson. Wilson. I come to Wilson. I say, Wilson, here's what I'm going to do. I promise you I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this. If you do this and this and this and this and this and fill in the blank, right? And now if Wilson breaks his promise, he's broken our partnership. And if I break my promise, I've also broken our partnership, right? Where we're working towards something. We're working together. Sorry, I just wanted you to stand up. You're the man. Okay. A covenant is also like a business contract. I like it. I like it. It's where two parties come together and they say, hey, we are going to enter into an agreement together. We're going to make something happen. Okay, we're going to say, you have your terms, I have my terms, and they're binding. They're binding. Because the third one is a covenant is like a marriage, or it's like a family. And this is what I want us to get in on here, okay? How many of you guys have rules in your family? Okay. Okay, all of us, right? Whether our family has spoken rules or unspoken rules, we all have these rules in our family, right? Things that we do and that we don't do. Um, a covenant is kind of like family rules. It's kind of like, okay, um, if you're getting married, how many of you guys have ever watched a rom-com, my rom-com fans? Okay, the ladies in the back, right? Normally, right, the rom-com happens and they laugh and they break up and they get back together and then it comes and there's this moment and I guess in good rom-coms, it ends with them getting married, right? So they're standing there before each other at the altar and they say things to one another. They make promises. They make vows to one another, right? They say, Hey, I promise I'm going to love you, be faithful to you all the days of my life. That's my wife back there. She's awesome. Yes, I love it. So, okay, so Ellie and I, six years ago tomorrow, tomorrow's our anniversary, we made a covenant with each other. We said, I promise to stay faithful, to stay true, to love you until we die. Okay. So what's happening in the story right now is that Israel, as a people, with Moses leading them, they've come to this place and they're standing in front of God on the altar, right? And God says, hey, I want you to be my people. I want to be your God. Let's do life together. He says, here are the vows. Here are the things that we have to commit to one another if we're going to do this, if we're going to make this happen. And that's what we go into here. So, covenant, you with me? We tracking? It's like a super promise. 
In the Old Testament, if you broke a covenant, they killed you. So it's sober. This is intense. This is not like a light thing. This is intense. Okay, so covenant, these are the things of the covenant. Now, how many of you guys, when I say we're going to talk about commandments, get so excited? You just say, Josh, I just can't wait to, to talk about the things that, that, that we need to do, right? The things that I need to do, I'm being commanded to do. How many of you guys fall into that category? Okay, right, not most of us. Most of us, this word commandment is a negative term. And let's talk about that for a sec. We're going to work verse by verse here. So go ahead, turn in your Bibles. We're going to go back to verse um, 2. Exodus 20, verse 2. This is what it says. All right, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Then he goes into, you shall have no other gods before me or besides me. Okay, it's so interesting to me. God starts out a list of things that he's asking us to do with a statement about who he is. Our understanding of God's commandments, track with me, this is important. Our understanding of God's commandments, what he asks us to do, it always has to be rooted in our experience of God's identity. Now, if your dad asks you to do something, you know your dad. Hopefully, you trust your dad, right? And so you know who he is and what he's like, hopefully. When God comes and asks us to do something, we have to know who he is, that he's first and foremost, you guys. He's the God who brought us out of slavery. This is what he did for the Israelites. He freed them from slavery. He's not giving them laws to make them slaves again. He freed them from slavery. So he's not trying to oppress them. Some of you guys, look at me with your eyes. Some of you guys in this room, when you hear the word commandment and you're thinking about something that I have to do and think about God telling you to do something, you immediately jump to this space of, oh, God, God is telling me to do things because he wants to ruin my fun. Right? Commandments are boring. Commandments are things that, that, that ruin my fun. They keep me from doing what I want to do. But what we actually need to understand, we need to shift our perspective, friends. All of these commandments from God they're actually designed to set you free from slavery, not get you back into slavery. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about some of these commandments. Can you throw up that, um, the passage of the next ones, the actual commandments? Yes, thank you. Okay, commandments number one and commandment number two. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. Keep going, keep going. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Okay, what are we talking about here? I've got to ask you a question. I'm coming back to you, Wilson. Wilson, are you ever tempted to um, build a small idol in your room and bow down to it? No, okay, okay, that's meant to be funny, right? So, so not really, right? That's kind of silly. So we read these things, okay, what are we talking about? You should have no other gods before me. Don't make a carved image of anything. So we're not supposed to make idols. Okay, we're all like... How many of you guys are like, check the box. I got that one down. Second commandment in the bag, right? There we go. Okay, it's actually not quite that easy. Let's talk about what's going on here. Okay, this first sentence says, you shall have no other gods before me. This also means you shall have no other gods besides me or with me or standing next to me. So these guys just got taken out of Egypt, right? If you guys remember, or maybe you've heard from history, did the Egyptians have one god or lots of gods? They had lots and lots of gods, right? So what is God doing? He steps in. He says, you shall have no other gods 
besides me. Don't take me and worship me alongside of one of these other gods. We're going to come back to that in a sec. Now, okay, this whole idol thing. Okay, what's the deal with it? Right? Were these ancient people, were they just like silly? Were they stupid? Did they not know what was going on? Right? Why would they actually bow down to an idol? Okay. They're, they weren't silly or stupid. It was just a different world. you have a thought? Okay. That's pretty insightful. Right? They, he said they wanted to feel in control so they made their own God. That's part of it. That's part of it. Because what they would do is that they would make these idols for certain things that were going on in their world. Right? So they would worship the God who would provide them with food. They would worship the God who would provide them with kids. They would offer sacrifices to the God who would provide them with safety, security. The God who would go out and fight with their armies so that when they actually fought the enemy, they didn't die. So it's not just that they have an obsession with little stone figures. It's that they actually are trying to, to have their life work. How many of you guys like it when your life works? Right? When you show up at a test and you get an A. Right? When... When you get, you get some snacks in science class, when you play a football game and you win, right? You make the sack, you get the interception, whatever it is, okay? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. And a God, it's anything that we give our devotion to and it's anything that we put our trust in. It's anything that we try to take and have give us value or meaning or worth or even security. So when we're coming to God, what is this commandment saying? God is looking at the Israelites in the eyes and he says, hey, you're going to become a slave again when you worship God plus. When you worship God plus something else. When you take me and you put your trust in something else and you try to get your needs met in other places. Now, let's talk about what this could look like for us, friends. This is essentially, okay, um, this is when we try to use other things that are not God to get what we need. When we give our hearts away to other things. Let me give you some examples. All right, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. When I was in the eighth grade, I was a really good athlete, okay? My eighth grade friends. I went to TCA. I see a Titans guy right here. There we go. Okay, I was a great athlete. All right, there we go. I'll talk, I'll talk to you all then. Listen. All right, I was a great athlete, okay? Y'all, I go to high school, right? All this big stuff is going on. I end up starting varsity my freshman year. We were pretty good, okay? We were pretty good. And I was all about it. I was like, I am the man. I'm going to play in college. This is amazing, okay? And my life became about sports and success, and it became about how I could get other people to like me, Okay? So what I was doing, and this whole time, right, I believe in God. But I'm not looking to him to get my needs met. I'm successful on my own. Man, I'm a good athlete. I got good friends. I don't need anything from him. Not that friends are bad and not that athletics is bad. But what it was is I would made a God out of it, friends. I'd taken something that wasn't God and I was using it to get value and meaning. Maybe you're not an athlete like these guys. Maybe, maybe for you, right, maybe you're really, really smart. 
I love that we've got smart people in the room, okay? But sometimes, sometimes we use these things, like our intelligence. Maybe, gosh, okay, let's talk about something in this room. Maybe you, you're like the really spiritual kid at the front who jumps up and you're raising your hands. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we take that and when we use it to start giving us identity, instead of just looking at God and saying, God, who do you say that I am? I trust you. I give you my heart, not what other people think about me, not athletics. You can take athletics if you want. You can take my intelligence if you want. When we give our hearts to God alone, we actually become free. That's what he's talking about here, friends. We become free when we give our devotion, love, loyalty, trust to God alone because God knows what's best for us. We're going to loop back around to that in a sec. All right. We're going to come back to these commandments, but we're going to chug forward to the next one because it's just as important. All right. Go ahead and pull out those Bibles, take a peek, go into verse 7 here. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, because God is jealous. There we go. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. How many of you guys have heard this and just been like, oh, like, you just don't swear, right? Don't swear. Don't, 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 say, don't say the Lord's name in vain. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. There's part of that in this, right? God's name is holy. We don't want to use it casually. But there's a whole lot more going on. Okay, I got some questions. Now, all right, how many, um, I know we have some Marvel fans. Are, are there any, this might take a little more courage. Are there any Disney fans? Okay, all right, no courage, no courage. Okay, when I was younger, there was this Disney movie, it was a Pixar movie that was coming out. You guys, it was so good. It was so good. It was a little strange um, because it centered on these, these vehicles that, talked and we're alive. All right. Are there any Cars fans? There we go. Pastor Mateo wasn't so sure, but my people are in the room. All right. Okay. We've got Cars fans. Okay. Now, all right. Who's the, who's the, the main character of, of Cars? Lightning McQueen, right? He races and he goes and he does his thing. Now, okay. I have a very important question about Lightning McQueen. Who, who is on Lightning McQueen's hood? Who does he represent? Rusties, Rusties. So every time Lightning McQueen hits the track, who is he representing? Rusties, there we go, Rusties. Okay, this commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, has some other meanings and connotations, okay? It means you shall not take, communicate, you shall not bear the name of the Lord your God in vain. Israel, at this time, God chose them to be his people. The people that were going to carry his name. They were going to be God's people. And they were going to go out to the different nations around them and they were going to represent God to those people. So God is looking at them and he says, don't take my name in vain. It's like Lightning McQueen when he hits the track, right? Whose name is he bearing? Rusties. Okay, um, let's, let's, let's do another example here. Okay, TCA friends. I love it. I love it. All right, okay, let me ask you a question. Are they still making you wear the polos, the shirts? Okay. Okay. You, you have my condolences, but it's actually a good thing for you. Okay, let's say, let's say, okay, 
let's say that you are wearing your uniforms. There's a couple kids wearing their uniforms. And they have some kind of TCA garb, maybe a hat. It's after school. Maybe it's your hoodie, right? Can you wear hoodies on Fridays? Is that a thing? Wow. All right, you're wearing your TCA hoodie and you got your shorts on. Okay, and let's say that, you, that you're walking and a couple TCA guys, uh, they run into a guy from, yep, that's DCC. Yep, okay, still DCC. Okay, they run into a guy from DCC and let's say, let's say they jump him and they beat him up. Okay, hey, don't cheer, don't cheer. Wrong moment to cheer. <laughs> right, okay, so let's say that they attack this kid. And they're wearing their TCA, their TCA uniforms. And let's say my friend Wilson here is standing back and he's like, this is crazy. And he's filming the whole thing. You should be stopping it, Wilson. Come on, Wilson. But let's say, okay, let's say he films the whole thing. He films the whole thing. And then he posts it on social media. As one is often to do. All right, and then let's say, okay, let's say that um, someone's grandma is watching this video. Because grandma's... Because he, he posted it on Facebook. There we go. All right. So it's on Facebook. And someone's grandma watches it. And, and she looks at him and she sees these TCA Titans beating this poor Discovery Canyon kid up. Oh, my goodness. Now, okay, TCA may be a way better school, which it is. All right. Okay. But guess what? Guess what? It doesn't matter. Because that grandma, she just watched... These young people, bearing the name of TCA, make absolute fools of themselves. Right? Okay, are, we, are you tracking with me a little bit on what this means? So when God looks at his people, he says, hey, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't be called by my name and then carry it in vain. Don't go by one of God's people and then squander it. So how do we squander this? What does this mean for you and me today? What is God getting at when he says this? He's looking at you and he's looking at me and he says, hey, you actually, you actually become a slave again when you misuse people, when you abuse people, when you accuse people, when you carry the name of the Lord your God into your schools, right, into... None of you probably have jobs yet, but eventually into your workplaces, into your families, okay, when you show up at your house and you, you treat other people poorly, when you don't love other people, when you are, when you're trying, right, to, to you, you play into the, the games that go on in, in, in junior high, right, like the popularity games, when you make other people feel small because you want to feel big, right, we've all been there. When you, when you do these things, we're actually taking the name of the Lord our God in vain. If you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you have the name of Jesus on you, on your life. So are we going to take the name of the Lord our God in vain? That's what he's getting at here. He's saying, hey, when you do this, when you play into those games, when you make other people feel small, when you misuse people, when you're harsh to people, you actually become a slave again. You become a slave you become a slave to your own desire. You become a slave to sin. You become a slave to the whims of other people. You might feel like you're, you're getting on top, but you're actually a slave. That's what he's saying in this. 
Jesus has a lot to say about this. This isn't just an Old Testament thing. Because when Jesus is with his disciples, there's a lot of this going on as well. And what happens is that he, gets, yeah, he's, he sits down um, and, and Jesus is being tested. Okay? And people look at him and they say, say teacher, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Because these commandments, these are, uh, these are one among hundreds. Right? The Ten Commandments are kind of the most notable. But there's a lot. And so these guys are looking they say, okay, Jesus, tell us, what's, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus looks at them and he says, he replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All right. Let's just get real here for a sec. We've been trying to track through this. So we become slaves and we mistreat people. God cares so much about how you treat one another. He literally says, okay, in 1 John, this is what it says. It says, you cannot love God. It says, if you say you love God but hate your brother, you're a liar. He just looks at these guys and he says, hey, if you tell me you're a Christian, if you tell me you love God, great. But if you hate your brother, you're a liar. Because how can you love God who you don't see when you hate your brother who you do see? How can you love God who's far away, who we don't actually, we can't tangibly see him, right? When you hate your brother who's right next to you. So the life of faith is to love God with all of our hearts. And it's to love our neighbors as ourselves. This last one, we become free when we love the Lord our God and one another with everything in us. All of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our minds, all of our strength. I want to zoom in here for a sec. And this is where we're going to, yeah, kind of camp out here for a moment. So, so we love the Lord, right? Or at least God says, okay, don't worship other gods. Don't give your heart away to other people. Don't give your heart away to other things that are not me. Okay, love the Lord your God. Um, and then, okay, what does he say? Okay, don't worship idols. Don't do this. Don't bear the name of the Lord your God in vain. And there are these commandments that are right and true, right? Where God looks at us and he says, hey, love God with all of your heart. He says, love me with all of your heart. Not because I'm some narcissist, right? When we say that God is jealous, it doesn't mean that he's narcissistic and he just needs your attention. He wants you to love him because it's good for you. Look at me and hear this. This is important. God wants you to love him because it's good for you. It's the only thing that's going to set you free. When we love God with our whole hearts, that's the only thing that's going to set us free. Because when we worship other things, they make us slaves. I'm going to go back to my story here for a second, you guys. I was a slave to myself. That might sound funny to you guys, but I was so caught up in what other people thought about me. I was so caught up with my performance. Y'all, literally, I would play a game and I'd miss a tackle and I'd just beat the heck out of myself. I was a slave. So God says, hey, love me with all of your heart. Not because he's just here saying, I'm the best, but because it's actually what we need. 
It's actually what you need. And then he says, hey, love your neighbor as yourself. This person you're sitting next to, right? He says, look at them in the eye. Treat them like an actual person. Realize that they're actually a human being made in the image of God who carries the heart and affection of the Father. Not because he's like just waiting out here. It's not like, it's not like his God is carrying a ruler and he's waiting to smack you on the hands. Not at all, friends. It's because he says, when we love one another, we actually come alive because it's good for you. It's good for you. And when you mistreat each other, you actually become a slave. Right, okay, how many of you guys have heard the, heard the phrase, uh, hurt people hurt people? A couple of us. If you haven't, now you have, right? Okay, hurt people hurt people. When you get wounded and when you get hurt and when people make you feel small and when you try to go somewhere on the lunch table, right, and everybody scooches over and you've got nowhere to sit, that sucks, right? That's, that sucks for everybody. But hurt people hurt people. Then we turn around and we do it to one another. And it's this cycle of pain and shame. And, and it's, just, it's just a bad situation. So God tells us, love your neighbor as yourself because it's good for you. Because you need it. Now, these commandments, friends, if we track through the story of Israel, do any of you guys know how that ends? All right, lock in with me here. How are we feeling? The night's getting late. Stay with me for a couple more minutes. All right, if we track through with the story of Israel, do they do a good job? Yes? No? Maybe so. They do a terrible job. Literally, the next chapter, they make a carved image. After that, right, they go and they go into the land and they do all kinds of terrible things to each other. It's awful. It's bad. It's bad news. They do a really bad job. Because the truth is, is that without God, we actually can't do any of these commandments. Everybody go, oh. Right? Without God, we can't actually do any of this stuff. So we should all just go home and be sad. There we go. Sermon ended. Go home and be sad. No, no, no. Right? We can't actually do this on our own. But the really, really good news is that God did it for us. In the person of Jesus Christ, friends, he came, he loved God with all of his heart, and he loved his neighbor as himself, and he actually went to the cross, and he gave himself up for you and for me, and he died. He actually died because we couldn't do this. Jesus died in part because you could not follow the commandments of God, because I could not follow the commandments of God. Because on our own, we become slaves. So he, he literally died for, for that because you couldn't do it, because I couldn't do it. Which might sound like bad news, but it's really good news. Because when he died, he went into the ground and he carried our failure and our shame and our death and our mistreatment with him. And then when the Holy Spirit brought him back to life, right, he left it in the grave and he said, hey, come and live with me. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to make God live inside of your heart so that you can actually do this. You can actually do this. This is the good news of tonight and where I want to land this plane, friends, is that you are actually empowered by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit living inside of you to love God with your whole heart, 
with your whole mind, soul, strength, to not give your affection to anything else, just God. And by the Spirit, you're actually empowered to love your neighbor, to treat people well, to carry the name of the Lord your God faithfully. So what do we do with this? Let's say that you're sitting here and you're, you're like, okay, all right, Josh, I hear you. I'm hearing you say that I should be nice to people and I'm hearing you say that um, I should try to love God and maybe pray more and that's, that's great. So, so what do I do? The invitation of the gospel is always twofold. The first thing that we always have to do is we always have to repent. Here's what this means. There's this word repentance. It means if I'm walking this way and I repent of walking this way, now I'm walking this way, okay? It just says, I, I see what I did. I'm seeing where I'm wrong. Let's say I'm talking and you're like, wow, I really do treat people poorly. Or I really do, I really do get my identity from school. Or I really do get my identity from a boy or from a girl. Or I really do, I do that. The first thing you got to do is identify it. And we say, God, help me. So we repent. Okay. And then... The gospel says that we repent and then we believe. We believe and we ask God for grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And it's that simple. And we ask the Holy Spirit to come in and help us. We walk with our community. We walk with our pastors. We walk with one another. And we actually get to live this thing out well. Right? And it's not like we, our, our behavior changes overnight. But by the Holy Spirit, we move towards healing, towards freedom. So here's, here's how I want to end tonight. Um, why don't you guys stand up with me? I don't know if we've got a, a musician in the room. My guy. Get some snaps for him. Oh. Y'all, you guys are blessed. You are blessed with awesome, anointed worship leaders who love you. All right. Hold out your hands. We're going to take a sec and we're going to listen to God. Okay. And we're going to listen to God together. My guy Jaylo, he's going to play for a little bit. And we're just going to be, we're going to be still here for a moment. Now that might seem, seem a little weird. But what I want you to do is I want you to ask God a question. And I want you to actually just, just wait. Just listen. Let's see if he says anything. I want you to ask, I want you to say, God, is there anything from this that you want to highlight in me? Is there, is there a way um, that I have not loved you with all my heart? Is there a way that I have not loved you with all my soul? Is there a way that I have not loved my neighbor as myself? So those two things. I'm just going to say, Holy Spirit, have I not loved God well? And then have I not loved people well? And we're just going to take a sec. We're going to wait on the Lord. Holy Spirit, will you speak? not going to overthink it. So if the Lord brought a picture to your mind, the first thing, a quick thing, what I want you to do is just, just trust that he's speaking to you, okay? Because God talks to you. The Holy Spirit is in you. All right, so take that thing. And what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to practice repenting. We're going to say, 
we're saying, God, I'm sorry that I have done X, fill in the blank. I'm sorry that I have given my heart to something not, that's not you. Say, God, I'm sorry that, that I, I treated my brother poorly. I'm sorry that I, uh, that I made other people feel small. I'm, I'm sorry that I, uh, man, that I was all about myself and not about you. Would you please forgive me? Would you please forgive me? And then what we're going to do here, with, with your mouth, we're going to say this all together. We're going to say, I receive your mercy, King Jesus. Okay? Let's say it all together. One, two, three. I receive your mercy, King Jesus. Amen. You know what's so cool, friends, is that in that, right, you repented, received mercy. We're not quite done yet. Stay with me. We're going to do one thing. Now we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us next time. So I want you to repeat after me. Keep this thing in your mind. You say, Holy Spirit, will you make your home in me? And will you help me to do better next time? to love you with my whole heart and love my neighbor as myself. Amen. You know, it's so cool, friends, is we can do this all the time. When we recognize we missed the mark on something, we just say, oh, God, I did, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Uh, Holy Spirit, help me next time. And you know what's so cool? Is he, I, can, I can tell you with 100% clarity what God is saying to you right now. That's not always the case. But if you actually repented, here's what I can promise. He says, I love you. I forgive you. Let's do it again. Let's keep going. And then the next time you go and you do something's good and, oh, you mess up. He says, oh, I love you. I forgive you. Let's keep going. All right, this is the life of faith. So we're going to worship for a sec. We're going to finish hearing a song. What I want us to do is just settle in with Jesus. Let him, let him love your heart well right now. So bless you guys. Such a joy. Thank you, Lord, for this space. Jayla, would you lead us?